Hi, I'm Caleb. And I'm Daniel. And this is the Ancient Bible Podcast. So what else is new, man? How's the move going? You all settled? Uh, yeah, somewhat. We're, we're getting more and more settled every day and trying to get nine people <laughs> resettled is a bit, a bit hectic, but we're good now. Right on. That That's a lot. That's a lot, man. Do y'all have a family band? <laughs> Not yet, but everybody's into music, so. Dude, you need to, that's, you need a van? Yeah. Paint the van. <laughs> Big rainbow and, on the side. Uh, Everybody wear bell bottoms. You need to be the Partridge family and not the Jackson 5. And I, I don't say that uh, musically, I think you should be the Jackson 5. But as the leader of it, you don't want to be Joe Jackson. No. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Be the Jackson 5, but don't be Joe Jackson. Replace replace Joe Jackson with the mom from the Partridge family. There you go. <laughs> you should be her. And... That's how you be the leader, is like that, like the Partridge family mama. They was always singing. All I remember is from that movie is Joe saying, go get a switch. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, because I saw it when I was a kid. Yeah, and, it um, scarred you for life. That's well, that's all I remember of it. And then when people said later, oh, yeah, it was terrible. I, I remember I saw it in the movie. He was just, you know, that that doesn't sound good. See, but now I've opened this up to a, a discussion about Michael Jackson. And, you know, little kid Michael Jackson is a very positive, fun discussion, except for the Joe part. But then we I, we don't want to go to the later part of Michael no. Jackson. He didn't know much Hebrew anyways, so let's just focus on that. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we at last time we left off? Did we just... Did we get so shaken up at verse 10 that we just stayed there for the whole time, or did we do verse 11 also? Um, and I think we did 12, didn't we? Because we did 11, I believe, because we talked about the one position yod, right? Yeah. And then 12, yeah, cause I'm pretty sure we talked about the mighty the, hand. Uh, yeah, because those are <laughs> both uh, what kind of... Uh, adjectival relationships. I don't know. Well, adjectives act three basic ways. What are they? Substantively. Uh-huh. What's the other two? Attributively and predicatively. There you go, those ones. So, I had yeah. predicatively, but I couldn't think of so attributively. It, yeah, it's either substantive, attribution, or predication. Okay. And attribution is generally what we think of when somebody says adjective. This is a describing word. Right. So here we have uh, hand, strong, outstretched arm, or sorry, arm, outstretched, right? So it's those are attribution then? Yeah, one of them. Now, they're both acting like adjectives. One of them is an adjective, and the other one is a participle. Correct? It's that, remember when we talked about the feminine participle there? Yeah. Right. So, and we've dealt with these participles before, and that's why this is an issue, because whenever you see a participle, you have to figure out, you know, a member of participle is a verbal adjective, so that means it could act like a verb, and it can also act like an adjective. And if it acts like an adjective, what kind of adjective is it? Substantive. Well, generally, we've been dealing with these substantive uh, participles in other places. But here, what, what we just said earlier is, no, these are attributive because right. it's getting attributed to the noun in the, in the phrase. So in this phrase, it's being attributed to zeroa, arm. Right. So like the first two are like with a hand of strength is kind of how you could work through that. Strong hand, outstretched arm. Yeah. So they're they're in parallel to each other in in that way where e even s syntactically there you have noun adjective noun adjective right okay that makes sense now now that That's last amazing. adjective morphologically is a participle but participles are verbal adjectives and if it's a verbal adjective you have to figure out what kind of adjective is it okay right so functionally this is behaving as an adjective so. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I think that's just that's uh, what we were at last time. Verse thirteen. You want to read it? 
Ligozer Yam Suf. Ligaz Reem. No, Ligaz. Ligzarim, right? Yeah, there you go. Kile Olam Chasdo. All right. Verbs, let's parse them. What do you see? Uh, first one. It's a cal participle. Masculine singular. From? From Gimel Zion Reish. <laughs> yeah, Gazar. Uh-huh. What does it mean? Uh, I don't know. So let's get Hallet cut. Cut into pieces, cut yeah. down. Smash, slash. Okay. And some cognates in Arabic, it can be to cut or to slaughter. And get ease, it could be circumcise. So it's still cutting. And uh, for Ghostbusters fans, you'll know that this is Gozer. <laughs> uh, the the demon god of Ghostbusters one, yes, um, who was defeated by uh, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Harold Ramis and uh, uh, what's Winston's name? What's Winston's name? Oh no, I can't do this. We cannot. What's Winston's real name? I don't know. I used to know that man, Winston in. Ghostbuster. I'm not going to disrespect this man <laughs> and not know his name. Ernie Hudson. I knew that. There you are. Ah, what a dummy, man. I feel like a big dummy. Um, I apologize, Mr. Hudson. If, he, if you're listening into this podcast, please forgive us. <laughs> for your, your uh, participation in defeat of Gozer. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, Harold Ramis uh, was a, a Jewish guy, I think. So maybe he did Hebrew uh, and uh, did that on purpose. Maybe, or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe there's some archaeological evidence I don't know about. Uh, but yeah, that has nothing to do with the text. That's just fun, right? Um, and here, specifically, what gets cut? The Sea of Reeds. Yeah. Yam Suf. So what's this referring to? The slashing. So So it's huh? again, it's another slashing. It's it's another oh. title for Yahweh, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but what's it referring to? What event? Oh, the parting of the 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 Sea of Reeds. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Sea. No, the Red Sea. The which sea is of actually Reeds. the Sea of Reeds. Don L. Yeah. Well, that's that's another issue. Maybe we should actually go read Exodus and talk about that then. But if you want to call it the Red Sea, then, uh, you know, just make sure you know it's actually Sea of Reeds. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Suf. Um, there's a reason why that's translated incorrectly, and we should actually save that for when we talk about it. Does it have anything uh, it, to do with the Septuagint? Probably, I don't know. Let's. Well, let's we don't. Uh, we don't need to look at it now. But I'm gonna make a make a guess there. Well, it's here. There's maybe we should look at it now, or do we want to finish? Because we could just make people watch us do homework in front of them. Where, where like professionals, we could just research this in our own time and come back to it and present the information let's that we that. know and act like we know what we're talking about. Let's do that. Let's do that. All right. Are there any other verbs here that need parsing? Uh, the next is a preposition right after Yamsuf, and then no, that's a noun. No, not in this verse, anyways. Well, we have this noun here, Gezarim, which comes from what root? The same as the beginning. Yeah, so this is definitely, um, you know, this is this is repetition, and we have a noun ending here, but this could also definitely. Uh, that those those endings happen on participles, right? Right. So how do we know this is not a participle? Well, other than the vowels? Well, if nothing else, we look it up, and it's got an entry in the lexicon as a... As a noun. As a noun. Gezer. Um, Closed off space. Yeah, and it's used one other time, it seems like. Well, I'm not doing a search, but in Hallett, it cites Genesis 15, 17, and Psalm 
in, in this this verse, Psalm 136, verse 13. So there's it's not something that occurs abundantly. So this this is a noun, but it comes from this root that most of the time is a verb. Okay. So mo- most of the time when this root is expressed in the Hebrew Bible, it's a verb. And this is one of the rare noun forms of it. Okay. So cut the sea into this is pieces uh but what's the ending here it's just a straight plural right im it's not im because there's the resh in between that a type vowel right so uh if you're looking at for example the net bible at least the old net bible i don't know if i've updated to the new one uh it says cut the cut cut it in two and they're doing that because they know the story, but morphologically, parting, yeah, morphologically, um, this is not two. This is just pieces, and you have to know the story to get that this is cut it in two. Um, I think I, I just think that's interesting. There's a, there's there's an opportunity to use the dual, but it's not. And I'm not really the expert here on. Uh, on Hebrew poetry, I wonder what somebody like John Hobbins would say about throwing another vowel in there to make it dual, and if that would just mess it up. But um, anyway, so you would me. need you'd need to bump that that heric over and throw throw an a vowel underneath the resh. Correct to make it a dual. Correct. Iim. Right. Dual. Im is plural. Right. Okay. Okay. Verse fourteen. So how'd you translate that? I I put to him who cut the sea of reeds to pieces. Yeah, or and then you know, in English the way we we also is is uh, we can make things er for that kind of substantive to the is, cutter <laughs> to the cutter or maybe to the slasher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or something something fun like that. Okay, verse fourteen. You want to read it? Sure. Uh... You're doing all the heavy lifting here. I appreciate it. Keep going. Vehe ebir. Is that a is that a ba or a ba? Sorry. Okay, do it again. So vehe ebir. Here you go. Israel betoko kileolam chasto. Right. We got a verb. Yeah, it's a hifil perfect three ms. Yeah, I mean that's a ve katal, right? Right. I mean that's a that's a vav, that's a ve that's a ve vav plus a hifil perfect verb. Right, and it's got so generally, generally we're taught that generally a vav you know uh, a a ve vav instead of a vav um, with the vocal shva instead of a type vowel plus a perfect is is this future okay whereas you know the kind of kind of this kind of the the old way of thinking about it was the the vav consecutive you know was the the vav consecutive plus imperfect what we what we now just what we're now just call you know transliterating toll, so we don't have to have the arguments about what it is um that's that's the the converse application here is that when you have that vav consecutive the, the old school way of thinking about it was when you have the vav consecutive plus the imperfect that's when you get that narrative past tense and when you get the vav consecutive plus a perfect that's when you get this future tense okay but generally that is only applying in narrative and now you know we don't really say vav consecutive anymore that's imprecise and doesn't really hold up all the time. So generally, uh, we'll just describe it morphologically, uh, and talk about the usages there. And I need to update myself because I'm still on some old school stuff with the, with the verbs. And I know that the grammaticalization folks have, uh, have some new stuff. And I know Alex Anderson in particular has written on this and I've talked to him about it and, uh, I've, I've learned, uh, a lot about grammaticalization from him, but I still, you know, like I don't off the top of my head know the decline for the for the for the catal, but I know he's written on it, so I'll, <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to read that and talk about what we think uh, we understand. What? Yeah. Well, you'll summarize what you understand, and I'll go. Uh-huh. <laughs> but 
in either case, in this this case, this is poetry, and I don't think this is a reason here to uh, translate it as future. That would actually not not, not make sense at all with the poetry. No, and it, it's yeah, kind of hard think, to put that in a future tense. <laughs> yeah, if anything, I think they might be using this short vowel just to keep things short, you know, because it's poetry. But again, syllabic. Well, you know, I'm not an expert on that stuff, and there are, there are people who are really experts on Hebrew poetry, and I'd be very interested to talk to, to one of them. Um, one of my favorite people in the world is John Hobbins, and he uh, he's very good at that stuff. I know he's uh, he's on the committee for, for Biblical Hebrew Poetry for SBL. Uh, and he's a pastor. He's one of the, he's one of the few pastor scholars. He's not at a university. Uh, I think he might, if he does, he's he's just teaching some classes. Forgive me, John, if I'm misspeaking, but um, you know, John John is a is is a is a, is a church churchman is a, is a church church guy, and not uh, you know a lot of times people think of scholars are kind of out of touch with the world, but um, you know, past, pastors pastors. Uh, Pastors deal with a lot of people's problems. <laughs> I don't necessarily want them to deal with. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so John Hobbins is a, is a really really cool guy. I think I think I introduced you to him in yes. San Antonio for a brief second outside, but it was cold. So you it did. Long. He's working on a Genesis translation right now. I think it's done. I think it's out. Um, is it? Yeah, I think that's the the Glossa House. Um, Michael Halcombs um, or Holcombs. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing your last name wrong, Michael. Uh, they have a publishing house that's doing focused on biblical languages and teaching biblical languages stuff. They have a lot of you know, nice good stuff that uh, if you're interested, particularly if you're interested in learning biblical Hebrew, um, I think they have some some fun resources. Uh, I know they've they've put some pictures with some some books and they've had artists do some stuff and looks good. And uh, I don't have John's book yet, but. Um, he would definitely be somebody to talk to uh, if if we do Genesis one through eleven. We definitely need to get his book and uh, talk about it with him and go slow through some places. Sometimes John in the pat, you know, John. There's a there's a blog out there called Ancient Hebrew Poetry uh, dot typepad, I think, or something. Um, it was, but if you Google Ancient Hebrew Poetry, John Hobbins, you'll find his old blog. He doesn't post on it anymore now. He posts stuff on Facebook. But um, there's a lot of good stuff on there, and I interacted with him a lot when I was younger on that on that blog. And uh, you know, I think sometimes people like me might go a little too slow for him. The fact that how many weeks now have we done Psalm 136? <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, he might want to move a little faster than us. That's fine. But uh, I just you know. won't. I won't ask questions that don't pertain. To the material at hand. Yeah, but if folks want really good stuff to read about the Bible, go check out John Hobbins' blog, and he's got a book uh, on Genesis that we'll definitely have to post a link to. Okay, so how'd you translate this? Or did we parse that verb? Or, or yeah, it's a hifil. Well, That's it's a hifil. Perfect yeah, perfect MS. Okay, yeah, so, so we see the hay there where there's the, the yod infix, heric yod infix, easy to spot. So I translated it as and caused he who caused or whatever Israel to pass through their midst. Yeah. Tell folks why you put a cause in there because the hifil is a causative stem. Yeah, it is. And it isn't, uh, when, when we teach verbs, we teach that, you know, verbs exist in these buildings, in these binyanim, in, in these stems, more modern way to talk about it, more modern English way to talk about it. Uh, and that's true. They, they, they do. And there's basically seven. And uh, I think hopefully in the future we'll have uh, a new student that'll want to do basic Hebrew and we'll do a whole Hebrew grammar. That'd be fun to do a whole Hebrew grammar podcast one-on-one with somebody. We teach that verbs exist in these, you know, there's, a, there's this root but then it's actually realized in one of these stems in, in the Bible. But the issue is that not all verbs go through all these stems. So there are some verbs that actually their only active form is in hifil. Maybe they have a passive form also. Maybe it has a nifal or another, you know, hip, uh, another passive form. 
but uh, there's some verbs that only exist in hifil, basically, and you can't really translate those causative because that's just their basic form, you know. But when you have a verb that exists in the cal stem and exists in other stems and then also exists in – this exists in cal, it exists in nifal, exists in pl, exists in hifil. And when I say exists, I mean it's attested to in the Hebrew Bible. So again, you have to resort or think back on our last conversation about the limitation of the Hebrew Bible, and the Hebrew Bible is not necessarily ancient Hebrew. Right. The Hebrew Bible just represents the 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 Hebrew that's in the Bible. A good example for that is in I found in in my master's thesis, and then there's some updated stuff in in my PhD stuff, and you can find that on Sun Scholar. But in uh, with Tachat is a basic preposition that basically means under or below and it is used many 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 times to refer to substitution in the context of royal succession so generally a, a, a son taking the place of his father who was the king so it's it's it would be son tahat his father so son instead of the father or son in place of the father and you can basically just assume that if you see Tahat in Chronicles, it's probably going to be that. You know, don't even have to read the verse. You just see Tahat in Chronicles. That's probably what it is. Now, there's a couple other places where they're saying, you know, this thing was beneath this thing. But most of the time, uh, Tahat means this instead of, in place of, this substitutionary usage. Uh, in in narrative context, particularly in these royal contexts, and it's talking about royal succession. Now, that doesn't mean that tahat primarily meant in place of or substitution in quote unquote the ancient Hebrew mind, whatever that is. It. No, it just means that the Bible talks about those stories a lot. Okay, and so and so the frequency, so the, like the Bible talks about kings' stories a lot. And it records a lot of royal successions. Right. So it means the frequency of that kind of usage is going to be very high. That doesn't necessarily mean it's super, super prevalent in the mind of somebody. Now, that obviously, they're going to understand how, how it's used. But just because something is super frequent in the Bible does not necessarily mean in, in the ancient world that's the way we should, we should think about it as having, you know, like, well, that's the primary meaning or something. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. In this case... With Tahat, I think you can explain that with the context of royal succession. I wonder how far that spreads across the cult, though. I mean, if it's like the idea of like, we see all of this like religious cultic material that we've, and it's like, I wonder how much of that was actually involved in their day-to-day -day life, or if it's just, this is the collection of it. Yeah. But one of the helpful things, at least here, is with this verb of our uh, that's that's not really the case. We see it attested in multiple multiple stems. There's not there's not a poverty of evidence here as there is uh, in in other cases. So um, that's just always something to keep in mind whenever you talk about data from the Hebrew Bible. It's very useful about talking about the Hebrew Bible, right? And, <laughs> and it's not necessarily useful for talking about. It's not ancient. the whole Hebrew corpus. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between biblical Hebrew and ancient Hebrew because there's other stuff in ancient Qumranic Hebrew. Hebrew and... Well, that that's another issue. Yeah. That because that that's another issue, but well, that that's another issue. Let's move on <laughs> so we can finish maybe one of these days. Instead of saying caused Israel to pass, he could you we, I could just translate that as he led them through, right? Well, it's the same. I think it's the same thing. It's just how much do you, how grammatical do you want to get with it? Well, you know, I kept it that way because of the imagery of of cutting the sea of reeds to pieces and what that you know what that brings up. Yeah. So when you say led in English, what does that mean? It means he went before him. All right, and uh, maybe that's the image that you want to use, and that's precisely what this what this means here. Mm -hmm. Um. And we know that this verb in the cow stem is generally used meaning to like pass through or pass over something. So I think lead here definitely gets at that distinction at, at this is, this isn't just moving, but this is causing movement. Right. 
But if you want to be really, really specific, you know, cause them to, you know, move, cause them to pass, cause them to pass over, cause them to, you know, however you want to do that, that that could definitely be a way to drive it home. But it's how wordy do you want to be? Is that good poetry? Does that, you know, what makes for better Is poetry? that singable by the congregation? Yeah. So, all right. Verse 15. Uh, Venier, oh, paro, <laughs> vehelo, no, vehelo, beyamsuf, kileolam chasto. Verbs? Uh, the first one's a P-A-O perfect, 3MS. Right, again, this this is functioning as just a plain conjunction. Right. But morphologically, this looks like a vacata. I mean, this looks like what you would, in a narrative, translate as a future. But it's not. This is just... And, and he neared him. What does near mean? Shake off. So he shook him off. Yeah. What is, uh, what does Hallett say here? Shake off, toss off, toss, shake out. Pharaoh and his, and his halo. What's halo? What's Kyle here? Well, that can be his army or his wealth or his greatness even. Yeah, but here in this context, we know what it is. It's his army. Yeah, this is in his... But look, I mean, his greatness was cast down, too, if he was put under the water. All right, well, and you could go get off. You want to get super preachy with that and talk, you know, but but then again, you don't want to... There's this, this word can mean different things depending on the context. And on this context, we know the story this is talking about. Like in so, relationship to Ruth, right? She's She's one of these well she's definitely not in pharaoh's army no okay well <laughs> all right um so translate how'd you translate that uh shook pharaoh and his army into the sea of reeds all right love endures forever <laughs> his love endures forever 16 lemo la let's try that again lemo amo bimidbar kileolam chasto verbs uh that first one is a hifil participle. It's a masculine singular. All right. From? Lead. From, uh, I'm going to go Yod Lamed Kof. Yeah, that, that might be a reasonable guess, but it's it's wrong. Is it? Dang. <laughs> um, I was trying one... without the software. Yeah, no, that's good, because we've seen that the Vav popping up there before is taking the place of a, of a one Yod, and that's the old one Vav showing up. The Mem, it's a Hey. Yeah, this is a, this is a one Hey. Um, and if you look up uh, in, uh, I'm looking at Hallett right now, it's got all the different parsings here, and this one's included. So if you get confused, that's a place to go. Um, should we look it up in our new nifty BHRGs and check out Ooh, one yes. hay? We've it. been doing that before, and I guess there's no reason not to now. Maybe Christo so, should give a sponsorship. <laughs> uh, I think he's already given me something. I don't know. Why don't you write something? <laughs> uh, yeah, this one gets special treatment. So if you notice, I don't believe there is a one hay section because like one hay is not a thing. But there's some one gutturals. So you might think this is a one guttural, but at least in BHRG, this is just an irregular verb. And it's listed with some other irregular verbs. So this is 18.11. Irregular verbs like haya, chaya, chava, natan, lakak, and halak. So page 146. In the new nifty BHRG, folks, go help yourselves. And you get these irregular verbs. And halak is there way at the end. And you can just flip through and see that is Cal and Nafal. But then we get to halak at the end here. And why isn't there something specific about Hifil? Part of me wants you to edit this out, but part of me says keep it real. Keep it real. (laughs) (laughs) Either way. I can edit. No, 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 no. I think that should be in there. I don't know why it's not. Is it in the last edition? Well, Hallett helps me out. If nothing else, um, Hallett helps me out. If if you go look up Yalak, you're going to be uh, disappointed. Um, so that's that's not what's going on here. 
But Hallet definitely helps me out. And I have my parsing software that tells me it's Halach. So no, no, I want I want more specific help. But uh, Hallet tells me right here that the participle form is Molik. Okay. So that makes sense. Boom. So this is. So this is how would you translate this? I went with um, to again to him who led his people through the wilderness. Oh no! Now we're translating it the same way as we did in verse fourteen. But if he's led him before, he'll lead him again. So it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So this is an issue in English translation, and and some translations try to be so specific that they want to make sure they're using a distinct English word for for every root. Uh, for and some get have a big thing about keywords and making sure that that's always distinguished and um, you know that's I I think the rather than a translation trying to stick with one English way of dealing with one Hebrew form all the time, which I don't think is actually a very good solution because sometimes things are polysemous and it just means something different. Uh, I think a, a better way to handle that for your translation, at least for people who really want to use your translation for some serious Bible study, is to tag it with Strong's Concordance. Because despite the look you probably got on your face right now about uh, not liking Strong's Concordance, I don't really like the information in Strong's Concordance either. I don't think it's very it's a good place to go. However, the database of Strong's Concordance is very, very useful because it has tagged English words to the Hebrew root word that is associated with that particular translation, even if that translation translates that Hebrew word a lot of different ways. Right. Somebody's taken the care to look at the the English and the Hebrew and say, well, they've translated this, uh, you know, here they translated Melech king, here they translated it ruler, but they're all tagged back to Melech. Right. So if you're interested uh, and that kind of stuff, you can still do a search. Uh, if you have a good software, like I know in accordance Bible software, people can do this who don't know biblical languages, but they want to get some Hebrew and Greek info. They can still do some searches of tag text uh, and and get to the right word that they're looking for if they want to look it up in a better resource like Hallet or BDAG right. or DCH or whatever whatever your favorite Hebrew and Greek lexicon is. So for folks who are, you know, learning biblical languages or they're never going to learn biblical languages, but they still want some good, uh, better, better information beyond the content that's in Strong's, uh, the Strong's database can f- at least get you to that word. And then um, if, if you have trouble looking it up, you got this software, you can, you know, for me, I triple click and it's there. So, yeah. So there's a lot of help there. There's a lot of help there. Um, I know there's going to be something on Halak somewhere, so I'll find that and we'll try to fix that. But so, so another way to look at this also is if if Aver or I'm sorry, if Avar in Hifil is to to cause to pass or to cause to pass through or to lead people as they're passing through then halak is to cause people to walk. So they're, they're definitely both motion verbs, right? Right. You know, and we have multiple motion verbs in English that are very you know, semantically related, but they're not the same word, and they might draw up a little bit different images. You know, passing through land, passing over land, at least for me, you know, brings up a different image, and in English it kind of brings up this landscape image of this kind of terrain that's being passed through and that terrain would you know differ depending on the context whereas if i say walk that is much more focused on my feet right you know and that's more focused on steps um so semantically there's there's a lot of different ways to do it but the point is is that still in hifil here where we have yahweh is the one who's causing people to do this. So, so we could say like brought. You could still say, yeah, he's the one who brought them um, or led them through or, um, you know, I if you want to get a little more nice in English and a little simpler earlier, we might say, you know, cause them to move. 
And here we might say something like um, uh, led them through their journey. Um, and is journey a word here? Well, no, but when you're leading people on a walk through the wilderness, I mean, that's, you know, I think that's a, that's a fine, that's a fine way to handle it. So, so there's a lot of ways to get very descriptive uh, and make beautiful English here. And, um, and then we get to get just, violent again. Well, oh, oh, okay. Well, let's move on. You're ready to go. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> There's more of the fun Le stuff. Up. Go ahead. Smiter. <laughs> Smiter. Lemake. Melachim. Gedolim. Gedolim, yeah, Melachim. Melachim. Gedolim. Yeah, so here's the it's the smiter or maybe the punisher or yes. you know the with the context here slayer. Yes. The slayer of Mighty This is Kings. a construct the, again. So here again we have uh this is a participle another we don't need to parse it again. Or do we? No. Well, this one's a little well, okay, let's do it because this is a weak verb. Let's let's look this one up. Maybe BHRG will help us this time. This is a one noon. Where's our one noon section? Page 120, 18.6. Got to mark up this book. Yeah, I need to put tabs in it like I have in my old one. Well, this one's got them all. So the paradigm verb they're using here is nafal, and then they're also using nagash. Okay. And if we look for hifil, and we're looking at participles, we'll see that the mem comes in. Yep. And then the moon gets assimilated into the next consonant. So that's actually mak ke. And that cough is doubled because the noon swirled a bunch of times and got so small it became a dot and moved over. <laughs> I've seen the animation. I tried. Uh... The only thing we're missing, though, is we would still, because it's a fill, we would expect to hear a Yodin fix between position two and three. And we don't have that here, but it's not, it, this is doubly weak because it also has a third position, hey. Mm. So that's okay, but we have enough to identify it. So this is to the slayer, to the smiter. We know this is, uh, or, um, if it's Hifil, do you want to throw a cause in there? Because if you look up this one, this this one applies to the to that caution about um, over-interpreting the different stems. Because if you look up Nakaf in, in a trusty lexicon like Hallett, you'll see that it exists in Nifal as a passive verb, to be struck. It exists in Pu'al, a passive uh, stem. Uh, to be beaten, and then it exists in hifil to strike or to smite. So hifil is the only active stem that it's in. So we have to treat it as just a plain active and not a causative active. Right. Okay. I think we did that last time we saw it, but it's a that's a good example of being careful. With, well, it's hifil, so it means cause. Right. Well, many times it does, but not all verbs travel through all those different binyanim, all those different stems, all the all the buildings of ways you can build a verb in biblical Hebrew. So when it doesn't, you have to be very careful about those claims. It's a good thing we got software because that just makes it so much easier. You can Well and even here it wouldn't make sense. So it's like to the to the the one who causes the striking down. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know maybe conceptually you could make some kind of argument there, but no, this is to the slayer. This is to the, to the one to the killer to the smiter to the one who killed great kings or to the killer of great kings because his love endures forever his love is forever because <laughs> his his loyalty is forever yeah okay verse 18 read it so via herog melachim adirim this is cool now we've got another vayaktol uh, and this is easy it's a vayaktol you know cal cal, cal and perfect 3ms uh, the the vowels a little you know we have the shortened vowel but it's also a, a one position hay so the 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 hay has a weak leg and often has to go to the hospital we're lucky it's here at all so <laughs> I don't know if it's the case with this verb that's it's a, a good joke. little memory tool this, that's from the the kids Aleph Bet thing the kid <laughs> the Aleph Bet story from EKS Publishing 
they, they have hay has a broken leg and has to go to the hospital. Hay has to go to the hospital. So when you're teaching uh, little kids Hebrew, that's a way to remember the sound. Uh, and this is another violence verb. Yep. Kill. Yeah. Kill. Slay. Melachim Adarim. Mighty kings. Yeah. Mighty, magnificent, prominent. Yeah. People you would know. Famous. Like, for instance. For instance, verse 19. Lesihon Melech Ha Imori. Kilelam Hasto. Then verse 20. Og. Yeah. Ul. Ul. Ul Og. Because we have a Shurek there. Right, right. Okay. So Ul Og Melech. Habashan. Habashan Kilelam Hasto. So, I mean, yeah. So killed Sihon and Og. Um, and so who are those folks? And that is now referencing as this has been going through the Old Testament. We started with just great as Yahweh, but then it went through creation and then it went through some of the Exodus stuff. And now it's going through some of the later uh, battles uh, that are in the Torah. This the Sihon and Og are from Deuteronomy 2 and 3. Sihon is the Amorite king, as it says here. He's the he's the king of the Amorites, and he was defeated by Moses because Moses was trying to lead the people uh, to the Promised Land, right, going into Canaan, and they needed to get to the Jordan River, and his land was in the way. <coughs> his land was in between, and Moses asked for permission, and he said no, and so he was defeated uh, in Deuteronomy two. That's what happens when you say no to Moses. Og is really cool. Uh, I want to do a little more study on this old guy. So the king of Bashan, um, he comes up in Deuteronomy 3, but he's also mentioned in um, Joshua. And I think you're doing some work on Joshua also. So he would be a cool character to look at. He's mentioned in Joshua 12, verse 4. Um, and the cities named there, Asharot, sorry, Ashtarot and Edrei, um, those are mentioned there, probably like some capital cities of Bashan. Uh, it says he lived in those cities. So he probably built up some big, big stuff there. But it says uh, in Deuteronomy that he's the last, last, he's one of the last of the Rephaim. Ah. What's the Rephaim? Those are, well, I guess it kind of depends on who you're, who you're listening to there, but aren't they the disembodied spirits? In some places, but in other places, they're also giants. Right. Yeah, so they're, they're kind so they're, of like Nephilim descendants, right? Yeah, they're like they're they're the last of this, you know, alleged giant race of 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 people that that lived in Canaan before um, the Israelites moved into it. And um, he's mentioned, he's talked about in Deuteronomy three. He gets defeated, but Deuteronomy three also talks about how his bed was on public display. Because people were so amazed at how big it was, because he's a giant, <laughs> and it's it. I, I wrote down the measurements, but it's given in cubits, obviously in in Hebrew. But his bed is six feet wide and thirteen and a half feet long. Wow! And so it was shown in public, like, look how big our king is. Here's his bed. <laughs> this is the bed he sleeps in. And um, and can you so imagine it, if you're five foot two on average, and like you come up against someone <laughs> like that? <laughs> Um, Sihon and Og are also mentioned together as a pair, as they are here uh, in Psalm 136. They're also mentioned in Psalm 135 uh, as great kings that, that Yahweh defeated. So um, you need a little bit of the backstory uh, to understand why they're mentioned. But yeah, these are these are powerful. Do you know one? You know one dude is a giant, and <laughs> not like. <laughs> Not like he was a giant of a man or a giant of a king or had all that. No, he was he's a giant. Look at his bed. <laughs> yeah, that bed makes you look like a toddler. <laughs> that bed, you cannot. Fill. Some people say you got to fill the guy's shoes. You can't fill this guy's bed. No, <laughs> that's why I tend to buy the kids' size lattes at Starbucks. So I look you like might a- fill this guy's pillow, but you're not going to fill his bed. <laughs> but uh, Psalm one thirty six verse twenty. He's celebrated as one of the kings that Yahweh defeated. So, so uh, verse 21. Benatan 
Aratsam Linachala Kile Olam Chasto. Yeah, just to be really picky and specific, um, that h- how do we treat this Shiva? Is it a vocal Shiva or a Shiva? Sorry. No, it's okay. Should have been silent. The Patak is short. I need to get a nice Bible for the house. Somebody wants to get me a nice Bible. <laughs> Somebody had here, I'm going to complain, and I'm not going to tell you the specific thing, but in an office that I uh, use, Somebody had a beautiful facsimile copy of Codex Leningradensis. And these are like $500 objects. I think Brill makes them every now and then because they're very, very expensive and labor-intensive. But it's a facsimile copy of a manuscript, not not an edited Bible that people uh, printed and made. But actually, if you want to look at a manuscript, this is like the cheapest way to get your hands on one. And it's still $500 to buy a copy of it. (laughs) Uh, and there was one at this office and somebody took it home to work on stuff and never brought it back so a Leningrad codex would make uh, any boy a Merry Christmas but you can get it online for free and it's not the same, man. Nah, you're right, you're right if you you ever put your hand and don't get me, like I've been to Cambridge in the Cairo Geniza and had people show me like you know, up close manuscripts in the Cairo Geniza, and that's really cool. But even just hold, holding and using your hands on this facsimile copy, which isn't a man, I mean, it's not actually like papyrus or anything. It's beautiful, nice, glossy paper, but it's actually, you know, copies of each folio of the manuscript. And you can look at, you know, the, the discoloration and you can see all the little, th- it's just it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. Anyway, it has a big, beautiful cover, and it's just, uh, it's a work of art, so. Um, I don't know how we got off there, but uh, I would like one of those. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's before uh, oh, Christmas, Dan, still. Yeah, so he gave uh, their their uh, their land as a nachala, and I would like someone to give me a, uh, a facsimile edition of the Leningrad Codex. Please natan me as a nachala. <laughs> So he gave their lands for an inheritance. Yeah, refer- and then the suffix on Eretz, the um, who's that referring to? The the kings before. The Sihon and Og, yeah. Okay, verse 22. Nachala le'Israel avedo, avdo, kileolam chasto. Okay, there's no verbs here, translate it. An inheritance for Israel, his servant. Yeah. So it's a, the repetition of the one before it. Yeah, so we could view this as another kind of apposition where it's renaming it again and giving us some more information. Nahala, let Israel, his servant, his evet, his slave. Huh. All right. Um, well, and in that sense, if you want to get into the contract of the covenant, and the the upper and the lesser, you know, the suzerain and the vassal nature of the covenant of bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. You know, this is the servant. This is the vassal in the contract. And so um, in the covenant, here's the here's here's the portion that's promised. OK, but I'm getting preachy. Verse 23. That's no, good. Sheb Shif Lenu. Ooh, look at you. That's hard. Are you pro, now? You pro. You're pro. <laughs> Did I do that one right? Ooh. <laughs> okay, so then that one's a car lanu ki leolam chasto. All right, verbs. Uh, that first one is not a verb. It's a noun. So it's verbs. Zakar. Mm-hmm. Remember. A cow. Perfect three miss. Right. Okay, so what's this big hairy thing up front? It's a noun, but it's got, uh, they have conjunction preposition noun. I don't but, care what your parsing thing has. What do you see? Well, we've if, dealt with this before in right. Psalm 133. What's that? Shea. Yeah, of a share. Yeah, share. So, who, which, or that? So, this is again referring back to Yahweh, who. So, the one who. Right. The one. So, the one or who. Ba. In or. Who ba 
and then we get a noun. Now here's the noun you're talking about. What's the noun? Uh, come on. Sheffel. Sheffel. Yeah. Lowliness. Where's the? Yeah, that's what it gives me. Yeah, Sheffel. Here it's uh, with the e-type vowels. Um, Hallett records a few different usages. Low lying, low in height, of little value or low standing, and humble. Right. We see in other usages in uh, in other languages where uh, in other Semitic languages where the the same similar sounding root is used. It's something like humiliated, low. All right. So then that would be. And then we like get a new, a new hour. Yeah. So the one. In our lowness, in our humiliation, in our humility. Remembered us. Remembered la nu. Remembered to us. Remembered us. Yeah. So, essentially then what they're saying there is that in their, in their humi- humiliation is when he remembered them. It's yeah. Not, it's not just about weakness, but it's about the humiliation that was going along with it. Yeah, well, I mean, here we've talked about so far them being in slavery. And then they have uh, these kings that are uh, opposing them. Um, so here, when they are in their low state, not high, um, if you want to take that socially, I mean, let's 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 go to the next verse. It'll, it'll probably help us. Uh, We're almost done. Keep going. I know. So Vaif Rekenu Mitsrainu Kileolam Chasto. Mitsarenu, sorry. Alright, verbs. Uh there's Cal Vaikal 3MS right at the beginning. Plus. Plus what do you mean? Oh, the ending? Yeah. It's a plural ending. Uh what kind of plural? Uh like oh you mean like first person? Yeah. Yeah, there it's first person plural, sorry. Yeah. Okay, so how would you, so and that's uh, what's the root there for that verb? Uh, parak or farak? Is that a pa or a fa in the root? Uh, I don't. Looks know. like fa. Looks like looks like fa. Yeah, the, so from farak, which is to tear away. From parak, excuse me. No parak. Is it a p? Pa pa pa. All right. To tear away, to separate, to drag away. From our enemies. Yeah, Hallett cites this verse as drag away from or rescue. So he rescued then. Yeah, so in our lowly state, he remembered us and he rescued us, me, tsar, from our enemy. Me, yeah, me, Because his love endures forever. It does. Yeah, so... But I mean, we know that we, we we know what that refers to in the story. Snatching right. them away from their enemies is referring to some of these things that we view as horrific, and they, and they are horrific. Yeah, I'm not saying they're not, but um, but that's what it's referring to. So, verse twenty-five. Noten lechem lechal bashar kileolam chasto. One more time. Find your mistake. You can do it. Okay, well, let me get off of my parsing sheet and look at the We're not talking about the president of Assyria or Syria. So Listen to me. Trying to make Bashar al-Assad jokes. This is not Bashar. This is Bashar. I keep doing that. You're going to fail the Shibboleth test and get stabbed. I'm pretty sure that dude got stabbed. Didn't he get stabbed? Yes. But there's a knife there somewhere, I know, in that story. So, no ten lechem lechal basar kileolam chasto. All right, parsings. That first Verbs. one's a cal participle. Yeah, that's easy. Oh, eh. Oh, eh. Yep. From Natan, so the giver. Yep. A giver food. of, is this lahem or is this lechem? It's lechem. Yeah, this is food. This is bread. And this is, then the next is to, to all, all living. To all flesh. basar, to all flesh, to all people. I mean, in yeah, this, in this basar context. is often used uh, to talk about like meat, like whenever it, you know how how whenever you're eating, 
know, like like whenever you whenever you go to the store and buy cow, you don't call it cow. You call it meat. Right. Or you call it beef or something, you know. So um, basar is often used in that way to talk about animal flesh, you know, that it's not the animal anymore. It's not the behemoth. You know, it's the basar that you're actually about to prepare okay. for food or something. But it also means flesh as in like human flesh. And in that way, kind of metaphorically, it can mean like something that's like living. So it's kind of weird how it means the meat of something that was alive. Because it means the dead thing, but then metaphorically, because of your skin, it can also mean things that are alive. Okay. So in this context, then, is it about him providing food to just the people or to their animals, too? Um, to all living flesh. Um, so that's, that's a good question. Cause that's going to change the translation that we use, whether it's gives food to all people or if he gives food to like all living things, you know, there are some, I'm looking at a com whose commentary am I using in the WBC Krauss? I think this is Leslie. A well, I'm looking at Leslie Allen right now. Are you, do you have Krauss? No, I don't. I, have I don't have Krauss in front of me. I had Krauss at the office. I have Dahoud. Uh, what does Dehud say? I don't know. It's packed. <laughs> oh, um, Alan has li all living creatures. Um, the Net Bible has all living things. Um, oh, here you go. The Net Bible. What do you know? People want to complain about them, but their notes are still helpful. <laughs> Net Bible, Hebrew, to all flesh, which can refer to all people. See Psalm 65, verse 2, or 145, verse 21. Or more broadly, to mankind and animals. Oh, PETA. Making PETA happy. Oh. Elsewhere, the Psalms view God as the provider for all living things. Psalms 104, verses 27 and 28, and 145, verse 15. So the net uh, translators say God and animals. So they translated all living things. So all living flesh. The one who gives food to everything that's alive. Okay. So that's, see, that's good to know. All right. Verse 26. We're here. Home we have, we've, made, we've made it. Read it. <laughs> I think we should save this one for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hodu le'el hashamayim ki le'olam chasto. But why? We've done this verb before. Hodu is a hifil imperfect two MP praise. Oh, come on, dude. Don't get it wrong now. Come on. You're looking <laughs> like an amateur. Don't say that. You're reading a parsing sheet and you're reading the abbreviation wrong. That's what you did. No, it's a hifil imperative. Duh, come on. Hodu from verses like one, two, and three, right? Yes. Come on, Caleb. You got me worried now, man. You got me worried. You <laughs> got me worried. You don't see no yod prefix out there? No, it's an imperative. All right, it's an imperative. Hodu, so give praise, give thanks. The same issue applies for what we did initially for verse one. Hodu. And now, instead of Yahweh, we get, the, we get named El. Right. El Hashemayim. God of But that. this whole thing, so far, this whole thing has been apposition to Yahweh. So he's that guy. So this is saying Yahweh is El, which to you and me is no big deal because that just means God. But if you're a Canaanite, that means El, that means Yahweh is El. That means there, this means somebody's getting knocked out of place. They keep doing this over and over again. Somebody's being subverted. Somebody's being. Uh, treated not the same as uh used to be right somebody's lost his title and yahweh has taken it and this happens with other gods too correct i believe yahweh gets called baal in some places also yeah so he takes that idea of a master okay so this is give thanks or praise to the l of the heavens to el hashemai so god of the heavens l of so this is l the highest yeah the highest l which, if you're a Canaanite, ancient Canaanite person, and you heard that, you're going, Ooh, I heard what you just said. You're calling <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, they are. Ki le'olam chasdo. Because his chesed is forever. And that's another issue, man. I don't want to keep uh, 
you know, beating the same dead horse, but this is a translation issue. We can do this here. I think it's great here because people want to learn. But chesed is a problem for translation still because there's not a good English word that represents it. And for people who really study and, and get into it, a lot of people feel like the best thing to do is to transliterate. Uh-huh. And then the new David Bentley Hart translation of the uh, New Testament is out, and it's getting a lot of praise. And I'm not knocking it. I, honestly, I haven't even read it except for the the free online sample that there is. Um, but but you know the uh, one of the choices in it is to transliterate, and I'm not knocking transliteration, but it's not really solving anything. It's not innovating in anything. It's just saying. There's not a good word in the target language for this, so we're going to transliterate it, and it's an opportunity to say, here's where you need to study some more. How much of that do you – because I know he does that with Logos. He says, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Right. So how much of that do you think is pushback at those who want to say things like, oh, the Bible isn't the word of God, Jesus is, and because he deals with a lot of that anti – well, you know, we should actually do a podcast on John 1 and talk about John 1 and, and, and treat John 1 as slowly and as carefully as we've treated these other texts. And That's then we can We can do that. This is Are we going to do just Hebrew or are we doing the Bible? You're right. You're right. I'll have Bible to brush up. <laughs> angry. And not even just Hebrew, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, but even the Bible, Old Testament is Greek. Yeah. And if you want a full, whole experience of the Old Testament, you have to do Hebrew and Greek because Psalm 151 only exists in Greek. Mm, And you might say, I mean, but for some people at some stages when they read the Old Testament, that's what the Old Testament was. Right. And I'm not even talking about apocryphal literature. I'm saying for them, the Old Testament had 151 Psalms because the Greek Bible was very important. So Paul and some of the. Some of those main, well, some of those manuscripts, you know, then you have to scrutinize which manuscripts do, which manuscripts don't. And I'm not, I don't have those details, but I know that if you use a edited Septuagint now together, that's going to have 151 in there. So there we go. Um, so next time we're going to do but, 137, but, right? But just to wrap up that conversation, all I'm saying is transliteration does not solve the problem of of helping a target audience reader understand what something means if anything it 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 introduces the alterity and introduces the the otherness and it says this is a and people go one of two ways they either study it or they kind of treat it mystically and then they just use that word that they don't know what it means and they're going to treat it in this mystical fashion that for them is this highly spiritual thing that they don't understand and I don't think that's necessarily helpful either. I think if anything, you know, use, use the language that, that, that you have. And if you need to have a footnote in text, have a footnote, but you know, I think maybe you want to transliterate with names sometimes because you want to be respectful. I don't think there's any reason that we have a book of James in the new Testament. It's a book of Jacob. Oh, okay. Come on. You've done enough Greek to know that, right? No, I actually hadn't. Yeah, no, it's, it's Jacob. In Greek, it's oh, the no. book of, yeah, James is an English name. It's from the British Isles. It's not from <laughs> Israel. Funny, Israel's named James. <laughs> there's, there's no J. There's no J in Hebrew. So, anyway, okay, so we're gonna do one thirty-seven next. Yeah, I thought we could do 137 uh, because just to do another violent text. But I but think also these things are important. Some, we could listen to some reggae music too because it's by the rivers of Babylon. That Jimmy Cliff. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Cliff version. Um, Modest Yahoo also treats this psalm and doesn't do the the fun, <laughs> the fun part, the terrible part, excuse me. <laughs> but uh, this Psalm 137 also celebrates Jerusalem. And he has a song, Modest Yahoo has a song called, I believe it's called Jerusalem. And it's his chorus is Jerusalem, if I forget you, fire not going to come from my tongue. Jerusalem, if I forget you, let my right hand forget what it's supposed to do. And it's a very beautiful way to treat Psalm 137. But it also has the terrible ending there, which I think gives us an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Because we're talking about uh, somebody's son being killed. And what do you know? 
um, Jesus can identify with that situation 100% of the time. Right. All right. Well, so, I think that's it for now then. All right. So uh, next time, Psalm 137, and uh, we need to go through some BHRG, and we need to get better at some of this stuff, like uh, some of the new stuff. And we, need, we need to do some BHRG sword drills. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to get better at the verb stuff, and then I know the word order stuff is going to have some some of Josh Westbury's work. Um, so let's do that, and then in the future we can we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs>